This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut, Wednesday, August 11th, 2021. Welcome to a wake-up call here on Sports Country Radio. Um, I think it's Wednesday. This is, uh, (laughs) and I I joke because this feels like Groundhog Day. I can't take credit for this, uh, uh, for that, uh, Matt Corey of Sox Outsider used that the other day, and he's absolutely right. You know, with what the Red Sox have been going through, this feels like what what we saw last night from that Red Sox game, it feels like we've heard or seen the same thing for like the last two weeks. You know, and, uh, well, especially the last few days, um, as the Red Sox look good early and give it up late and lose again. The Red Sox have now lost 10 of their last 12 games. 10 of their last 12 games, and yet somehow they are still in playoff position, but just barely. It's now gotten to the point where the Red Sox aren't even the number one wild card anymore. The Oakland Athletics overtook them for that yesterday. Oakland is now in number one wild card position. The Red Sox are in second, but they're only two games ahead of the Yankees and two and a half ahead of Toronto for that. And at this point, they're five back of Tampa. And look, they've lost six games in a row to Tampa and some of these games are games that are inexcusable last night is a perfect example you've got a four to one lead last night and then the Red Sox found ways to give it away you know Matt Barnes has been used to death I can't blame Matt Barnes for what happened last night he's been used in four straight games you know, and and what's you know the the pitching issues that this Red Sox team has had all season long have come home to roost. You have used this bullpen to death to the point where guys just are out of gas. You know, you can't keep going to the well every night and expect it to work out. And I gotta be honest with you. I'm getting a little, you know, we want to say, you know, we want to give Alex Cora the benefit of the doubt because, you know, he he won a World Series and, you know, the first half of the season was phenomenal. And so you want to give him the benefit of the doubt. But there has been a disturbing trend with Alex Cora 
two things. Number one, I think his hook with his starters is way too quick. I think he should have left Erod in there last night. He only threw 82 pitches, and I guess, you know, you're you're trying to get him to feel good about himself. He throws five and a third, four hits, two runs. He struck out eight, walk one. You know, the bottom line, the, the, the final line doesn't look bad, but I think you got to leave him in that game last night. You know, and you keep going to the Josh Taylor well, to the Sawamura well, to the Barnes well. It's eventually going to backfire. Garrett Whitlock gave up runs last night. He hadn't given up runs uh, in a long time. I don't think he'd given up any runs since, like, the beginning of July. July 2nd, as a matter of fact. He had thrown 14 scoreless innings, straight innings out of the bullpen. You can't keep going to that well and expect it to work. So I'm getting a little, you know, I'm getting a little tired. I think Cora is too quick on the hook sometimes with guys, especially your better guys. I can see a quick hook with guys like Martin Perez and 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 uh, Garrett Richards when they're out there. But you know, there are you got to let guys work through stuff. I think Erod should have stayed in that game last night, and then maybe you know you push everybody back a little bit. Every out you get is huge for that bullpen, so you don't have to keep going to them. You know, and the Red Sox last night, it wasn't even just the pitching. It was the, the defense. You know, we've, we saw the other night, you know, they ended up, uh, uh, you know, running themselves out of an inning, which they've done a lot this year. But last night, they were only charged with one error. They should have been charged with more. The only error that uh, was charged last night was uh, one to Hunter Renfro in the outfield on a ball that was hit down the right field line. didn't end up mattering because they gave it up anyway after that. You know, probably uh, one additional run scored, but then the next guy got a single, so it didn't matter anyway. But there was a ball in the eighth inning last night, or ninth inning last night, when Matt Barnes is in there, and there's a pop-up down the first base line, and you've got Frenchy Cordero, who is not a first baseman, playing first base, and he doesn't make the catch. If he makes the catch, you've got another out there, and maybe Barnes gets out of that inning. But you've, now you force him, a guy who's pitched in four straight games, you force him to go out and throw more pitches because you can't catch a pop-up in foul territory. J.D. Martinez with a throw back to the infield last night that got away. You know, J.D. Martinez is a guy that, look, I know he likes to play the outfield, but he's a designated hitter. He is not a great outfielder. He'll make a nice play every now and then, but, you know, he is not a great outfielder. But he didn't get charged with an error on the throwaway last night, nor did Franchi Cordero. They should have been. So you look at all those things together, the fact that you keep bringing in these relievers night after night after night, and you can't play defense, you can't run the bases, you just keep shooting yourself in the foot. This team finds new ways to screw up every damn day. But I'm not blaming Matt Barnes. Everybody's killing Matt Barnes today, but you can't, keep, you can't ask the guy to pitch four straight games and expect it to work. He's already shown signs that he's not the same guy. I don't know if, well, you know, if you didn't watch the game last night, the biggest thing I noticed with Matt Barnes last night is that he has slowed himself way down. Early in the season, he was pitching in rhythm. He was getting the ball, getting the sign, throwing the baseball. Last night, he was taking a month and a half between pitches. You could tell he was not right. He was gassed. 
You know, and he's not getting strike one. When he was right at the start of the season, when everybody was talking about what a breakout season it was, he was get the ball, throw the ball, throw strike one, you know, and then work from there. Last night, he couldn't throw strike one, and he was taking a lot of time in between pitches. There was no rhythm, and he was out of his normal sequence. Last night, he's throwing change-ups. He doesn't throw a change-up. He throws a change-up once a month. He threw three of them in four pitches last night. He got a strikeout on one, and then says, well, I'll go back to the well. And then throws a couple more. One's a strike, that, and one's a ball. And then he throws a meatball. He hangs a curveball that was absolutely crushed because he doesn't have anything left. His curveball doesn't hang. He throws his curveballs low in the zone, gets him to bite, gets people to swing. He threw a meatball last night, a ball that when he let it go out of his hand, I wanted to run to the bat rack and grab a bat and whack it. So that's that's a problem. You can't keep doing this. Chris Sale's going to pitch on Saturday, but Chris Sale's not the answer. But, you know, Pete Abraham talked about this in the Boston Globe this morning. The Red Sox did nothing at the trade deadline. What did they do? <laughs> they They got a couple of relievers that, you know, are so bad, Hansel Robles and Austin Davis, that, they had to run Matt Barnes out there four straight days because they didn't make any moves to help out an overworked bullpen. They needed a starter. Didn't do that. Figuring out, well, Chris Sale's going to be enough. Tanner Houck's going to be enough. And they needed a first baseman. They've got a platoon of first basemen right now. Franchi Cordero's playing first base. He's not a first baseman. He's hitting 197. So not only is he not hitting, he can't field. Bobby Dahlbeck, you know, is hitting 200. 215. But you have to platoon him because he can't hit right-handed pitching. So you needed and so you needed help at first base. What did you do? You signed an outfielder. Not only did you sign an outfielder in Kyle Schwarber, you signed an injured outfielder. So you did absolutely nothing to address the problems that this team had. Absolutely nothing. And I know I said this on Monday, and I sound like a friggin' broken record, but after watching yet another game get puked up last night, I'm, I'm just, ugh. Look, there's 65 and 50. There's still 15 games over 500. Everybody said this was supposed to be a 500 team. So I guess we're supposed to be happy that, that they're still where they are. But when you are 20-something games over 500, you have a nine-game lead in the American League East over the Tampa Bay Rays, and then, like, three weeks later, you're five games behind? It's inexcusable. I mean, I'm having, like, you know, flashbacks to the 70s, and they're not good ones. You know, this reminds you of, you know, if you remember back in 78, the Red Sox had like a 14-game lead over the Yankees in July and ended up in a one-game playoff that they lost and didn't make the playoffs. They're in a position now where they're in this, a wild-card situation. If the season were to end today, they'd be the number two wild-card. Well, what does that mean? It means it's a one-game playoff. They'd be playing against the Oakland Athletics for a one-game winner advance, the other loser-go-home playoff. So it, was, it would essentially be 1978 all over again. You play game number 163 with a chance to go to the playoffs or a chance to go home. 
And right now, I don't think anybody's betting that the Red Sox would win that game. And I don't care whether you got Chris Sale, Erod, or Nate Evaldi. The way this team is playing right now and as tired and worn out as this bullpen is, you know, I don't see how it's going to get better. You know, that's what concerns me. You didn't address the issues that this team has. You can't make any more deals. The trade deadline has passed. You know, in, in years ago, well, up until two years ago, there were waiver deals. You could still make trades until the end of August if you could get a guy through waivers, you know, and then make a deal with a team so that, you uh, you know you could make a, an acquisition somewhere. You can't do that anymore. Major League Baseball took that away. So I you know there's nothing else that they can do. So where tell me how it's going to get better? Please, I I'm 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 begging you. Tell me. You know, I mean, I get that, you, you know, you, you got Sale and you got Tanner Houck now, so we don't have to see Garrett Richards or Martin Perez. It's gotten so bad they've run Martin Perez out from the Red Sox bullpen like three days in a row. He can't get anybody out, out of the bullpen either. But, you know, your first baseman is not going to magically appear. Bobby Dahlbeck's not suddenly going to start hitting 250. He's hitting 215, and he strikes out more than he does anything else. Kyle Schwarber, who is an outfielder, they're going to try to put him at first base, hoping that he can. He's never played first base in the pros, but we're going to put him at first base. That's a great idea. So we'll have more situations like we did last night where a guy can't catch a pop-up in foul territory or misplays a grounder at first base because he's not used to playing there or doesn't cover first base because he forgets where he is because he's an outfielder, not an infielder. Look, there's just so many different ways that this could go wrong that I just, again, Please tell me how it's going to get better. I don't see it. I just don't. Now, you know, the only the only thing that the Red Sox could do is go down to the minors. You got some guys down there that perhaps there is some help you could get down there. Where? Okay, well, Ryan Brazier is pretty close to coming off of the, you know, doing a rehab start after getting hit in the head you know, at the end of spring training and, and having an issue with his foot. And, you know, he's finally close to coming back. They say he's throwing a ball well. This is a guy with, you know, won a World Series, playoff experience. Well, that's good. Okay, you can get him. That's a start. Uh, you know, maybe what they need to do is go down. Yara Munoz has been hitting the crap out of the ball in AAA. Go get him. What the hell do you have to lose? And I like Jaron Duran. You know, I don't know if he's ready yet. I still keep Jaron Duran in there every damn day. You know, but and maybe, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe do you start a, a platoon, a designated hitter with J.D. Martinez and Kyle Schwarber? I don't see how you can do that and have it go well. Both those guys want to play every day. And J.D., who had four hits two nights ago last night, went 0 for 4 and struck out three times. You know, So you don't know, you know, you just don't know. But I just don't see how it gets better. Unless this team figures out a way to stop shooting themselves in the foot. You know, and Dave O'Brien last night on the broadcast kept saying about how the Red Sox are the second best team in Major League Baseball to come from behind wins. Problem is, (laughs) Tampa Bay's number one. But he must have said that like three times last night. Well, the Red Sox haven't really come back to win a game in a while because 
last night was a 4-4 game in the ninth inning, and Jesus, you didn't just give up one run. You gave up four of them. You had no shot to come back. So it's hard to be optimistic, and it's hard to wake up every morning feeling like this is Groundhog Day, feeling like I'm Bill Murray in the Groundhog Day movie, pressing the alarm clock and hearing the same damn song and the same thing from the uh, uh, you know, the DJ every morning because that's what it feels like. And I'm tired of going to bed pissed off. <laughs> You know, uh, you know, I'm tired of, you know, the game starting and, and having all this optimism. Rafi Devers hits a home run last night. Looks, I mean, he's like, oh, Jesus. You know, Hunter Renfro hits a home run last night. Red Sox have a 4-1 to one lead. Going into the sixth inning, you're feeling pretty damn good about yourself. And, you know, Erod's cruising, right? He gives up a run in the sixth, and they get him out. After 82 pitches, and again, I think you got to leave him in the game. At this point, what do you have to lose by leaving him in the game? With what this bullpen has had to do, at 82 pitches, this guy is a major league starter. What do you have to lose? So, look, and I'm not saying Alex Cora is an idiot. I'm not saying he's a bad manager. I'm not saying that he sucks. I just think that... He has, he wants to say he doesn't panic, right? He wants to say he doesn't buy into the whole uh, hysteria and panicking thing. He may not do it outwardly, but inwardly, I think Alex Cora is crumbling under the pressure of these constant losses and the constant ways this team finds, new ways this team finds to screw up games. I really do. I really think that internally, while he, we may not see it on the outside, inside, he, he's pushed the panic button. I guess the only saving grace last night, if you're the Red Sox, is that the Yankees lost. The Yankees really could have lost both these games to the Royals. Uh, the game the night before, the Royals had... Uh, by the way, and this was a stat. I didn't. I had not heard this. The game that they played on Monday night against Kansas City, Kansas City became the first team since 1900 to erase deficit in the 7th, 8th, ninth, and 10th innings before losing in the 11th. First team since 1900, just when you think you've seen it all. You know, they constantly came back against the Yankees on Monday night and ended up losing it in 11. Well, last night uh, they were able to... Uh, to hold on, they actually came back. The Yankees took a 4-3 lead going into the bottom of the sixth, and Salvador Perez with his second home run of the evening in the sixth inning. He's now got, what, 20, 29 this season. That's a career high. Hit his second of the night, and they go on to beat the Yankees 8-4. to uh, So, great. You know, if you're the Red Sox, that means you hang on to the number two wild card for at least another night. Uh, you know, the Yankees are a flawed team. The Yankees were hotter than hell, but they've now lost three of the last four. I mean, if you're the Red Sox, this is what it's come to, folks. It's come to praying that other teams lose because you have no confidence that your own team can lose. You know, and maybe they've got a shot today again to have the Yankees lose. The Yankees haven't announced who their starter's going to be yet. They've got 
COVID issues and everything else. So they have not announced a starter for the last game of that series. Uh, Brady Singer is going to start for the Royals against uh, TBA. You know, and then if you're the Red Sox, you see in the first game of a doubleheader yesterday, uh, the Blue Jays lose to the Angels. Six to three. So you're like, you know, you're going into the game last night and the Blue Jays have already lost. The Yankees are losing and the Red Sox have a 4-1 lead. And you're thinking, wow, this, this, this is about as good as it can get. And then an hour later, you're ready to hang yourself. <laughs> but that's that's where we're at. You know, L.A. wins the first game against the Blue Jays yesterday, 6-3. to three. Uh, uh, Steven Matz got roughed up a little bit for the uh, Blue Jays in that start. You know, and here's – how about this? In that first game last night, even though the game was in Anaheim, Toronto was the home team. Why? Because this was a makeup of a rainout from back on uh, April 11th, I believe it was. So they had to make this game up. It was originally scheduled for Dunedin, the Blue Jays AAA complex down in Florida where they were playing their games to start the season. Then, of course, you know they went to uh, uh, Buffalo, and now they're finally back home in Toronto for the first time in two years. Well, they so last night they were in Anaheim and they were the home team. They became just – they became – the first big league team to have their home games in four different ballparks in one season since 1902. <laughs> when the Cleveland Broncos, who were the used to be the Cleveland Spiders, who eventually became the Cleveland Indians, they're the first team to play a home game in four different ballparks in one season since 1902. And by the way, they're the first team to ever play home games in four different states or provinces in the same season. Not necessarily a stat you're you're too excited about. Uh, and, you know, the, the big matchup everybody wanted to see, the two MVP candidates, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Shohei Otani, game number one, Otani goes 0 for 3, Vlad Guerrero goes 0 for 4 and whiffs three times. So they both uh, kind of puked on themselves in game number one. Game two, the Blue Jays come back to win it 4 nothing. Um, Vlad Guerrero Jr. with uh, an RBI Single in this one, he went one for four. Shohei Otani went one for four as well. He had a triple. Uh, he also struck out a couple of times. So, uh, But the the big guys everybody wanted to see had very, very quiet nights. Ross Stripling got the start in the second game for Toronto. It was a bullpen game. They went to Stripling, Richards, Adam Simber, and then Romano to finish it up. And, uh, of course, the second game, because of the COVID rules, is only seven innings. And uh, Toronto wins the second one in a shutout. So, you know, if you're Boston – Yankees lose, Toronto splits, and, you know, you're still in playoff position. But now, look, the Red Sox still have nine games against Toronto. I mean, against Tampa. Nine more. And as Pete Abraham pointed out this morning, you're still 15 games over 500, so you got to think that the rest of the season can be saved. Unfortunately, I, I'm not sure I agree with that. I just don't – I haven't seen anything that makes me think – that this team can because the bullpen issues aren't going to get fixed. You can't add anybody else. And, you know, I guess Ryan Brazier is who you can add when he's ready to come back. But other than that, you can't help that bullpen. Uh, you can't help it. For, you don't have a first baseman. You're not going to bring up – I've seen people mention bringing up Tristan Cassis, who just came back from the Olympic te uh, team. 
You know, Cassis is a first baseman. Cassis is a guy. He's got power. But he's look, he's playing in double A. They're not bringing him up. All right, they already tried bringing up a guy from AAA and Bobby Dalbeck. That hasn't gone well. So you can't fix that. Frenchy Guerrero is not a first baseman. Kyle Schwarber is not a first baseman. That's not going to be a recipe for success. So I just don't see where the fix comes from. I hope they can. But unfortunately, I think if you're a Boston fan, you're going to spend the rest of this season praying the Yankees and the Blue Jays lose so that you can maybe hang on to the wild card. Although the Seattle Mariners are coming hard too. So you're going to spend more time rooting for other teams to lose than you are your own team to win because you don't have any confidence that they can do it. That's where we're at. Ain't it fun? 30 minutes past the hour, we've got to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 32 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call here on a Wednesday morning. A couple of programming notes, by the way. We, uh, we've we changed our around our lineup a little bit. Uh, Pardon the Confusion is going to be coming up directly after our show. It used to be uh, Sox Outsider. Uh, we've kind of moved things around a little bit. Things have gotten a little bit stale, so uh, we've changed our lineup a little bit. Uh, and now on Tuesdays, uh, we're going to have uh, the Hall of Very Good will start uh, on 10 o'clock Eastern time after this show on Tuesdays. Uh, we have moved baseball by the book to later on in the day. Uh, just trying to switch things up a little bit. So uh, uh, if you were uh, stay, stay ready for a Sox Outsider at 10, it's going to be Pardon the Confusion uh, coming up today at 10 o'clock. Hope you can join us for that. Um, so my next question is, which fans do you think are the most despondent? I mentioned this the other day. I'm getting ready to do a podcast tonight. My uh, my buddies uh, Paul Arnold and Eric Braun, we're going to do the Boys of Summer podcast tonight. And that's one of the topics, um, you know, with the way the Red Sox have kind of fallen apart. And the Mets are in the process of doing the same thing. Now, the Mets um, got a temporary reprieve, I guess, last night, you could call it. The, the Mets got into the second inning last night before their game was suspended uh, because of rain. There was rain in the forecast before the game started. Well, they start the game, first inning, Juan Soto drills a uh, home run. And uh, off of Carlos Carrasco, Nationals take a 3 nothing lead. Mets come back with one in the bottom of the first. Then the heavens opened up, and so they will start at 4 o'clock this afternoon, finishing up that game. Um, it's going to still be a nine-inning game, I do believe, because it was suspended as part of a nine-inning game. But the second game, because of the COVID rules, will definitely be a seven-inning game. I'm going to have to look to double-check that, but I'm pretty sure that game number one, because it was the completion of a suspended game, will still be nine. Um, But the Mets find themselves two games back and in third place. In the National League East, you know, and they've spent most of uh, the season in first, sort of like the Red Sox did, right? And uh, now they find themselves in third. The Red Sox are a game away from being in third. Red Sox are two games away from being in fourth, for that matter. Um, So, uh, you know, think about that. You know, and and you know, if you think Boston fans are brutal, you know, New York fans are, are even worse. And... It's so bad that the new owner, Steve Cohen, had to have a pep talk with the team the other day before the game. And, you know, they went out and 
Uh, got Javier Baez at the trade deadline. Everybody's excited about the Mets and what they're doing, and Carrasco's coming back, and, you know, we're getting people healthy, and, you know, it's going to be great. I'll tell you what. Uh, and, and here's the funny part. I know this is going to sound stupid because the Red Sox are farther over 500 than the Mets. I would take that Mets pitching staff over the Red Sox pitching staff any day right now. You know what? I'd take a Carlos Carrasco. Match Carlos Carrasco up against uh, uh, Martin Perez or Garrett Richards or I'll tell you what, or Nate Valdi or Nick Pavetta for that matter. I'd take Carlos Carrasco right now. I know he gave up the home run yesterday, but I'd take him right now if he's healthy. You know, and, uh, you know, Jacob DeGrom, they're hoping he's going to come back by September, but they're going to have to go a couple more weeks without him. That certainly makes things more difficult. But Met fans don't have a lot of reason for optimism right now, unless you look at the lineup. I mean, they've got guys that can score a run. Brandon Nimmo, you know, I love that kid. Pete Alonzo, you know, the home run champion. And uh, Michael Conforto and J.D. Davis. I mean, they've got guys that, you know, Dom Smith, they've got guys that can hit. You know, the one thing that the Mets have that the Red Sox, well, that they don't have, I should say, that the Red Sox have is holes in their lineup. The Red Sox... You know, they've had to rely on, you know, three, four guys all season. You know, the Mets have guys up and down that lineup that can hit a little bit. You know, the the one guy that's struggling the most in that Mets starting lineup is Michael Conforto, and, you know, he's been dealing with injury issues. He's going to be fine. But, I mean, look, I mean, their leadoff guy's hitting 280. You know, I mean, this is a team that's a better hitting team than the Red Sox. So I think there's more reason for optimism if you're a Mets fan than if you're a Red Sox fan. But try telling that to Mets fans right now. <laughs> so um, American League West, great race. It's it's one that's going to be fun to watch for the rest of the season. The uh, the Astros shut out the Colorado Rockies last night, 5 nothing. Jake Odorizzi, one of his better starts of the season, Five innings, three hits. Uh, he struck out three, walked two, and then uh, four relievers finished it up. And uh, they knocked John Gray out in the fifth inning. And uh, the Astros moved to 67-46 and 46 now, 21 games over 500. And I'll tell you what, Odorizzi is a guy, uh, since the All-Star break, he had allowed 17 runs and eight homers. Matter of fact, in his last outing, Odorizzi had given up seven runs and four bombs against the Dodgers last Wednesday. So to be able to bounce back and throw five shutout innings was huge for that Astros team. Now, the Oakland Athletics uh, kept pace. They beat the Cleveland Indians yesterday. It's their fifth win in a row. They beat the Indians 4-3. to three. Jed Lowry, former Red Sox player. Well, he hasn't played for the Red Sox for a long time, but I've always been a big Jed Lowry fan, and he had had a tough day. He was 0 for 4 until his last at bat. Uh, an RBI double put his team ahead, and uh, they end up winning it. Uh, Sean Manaya got the start, did not get out of the second inning. Tough one for him. But then six relievers do the job for Oakland. Six shutout innings for that bullpen. Matter of fact, Six shutout innings and allowed just one hit. How about that? A.J. Puck came back up from the uh, minors. Been dealing with arm trouble the last couple of years. He pitched uh, an inning, struck out two guys. 
Trevino, another strong outing, lowered his ERA to 1.84. And Andrew Chafin, for God's sake, got a save last night. <laughs> uh, Tristan McKenzie, solid start for Cleveland, but he cannot win at home. Six innings, four hits, just two runs. Uh, he has not won in progressive field since making his debut with the Indians last August. He is winless in eight starts in Cleveland since he made his debut there last August. That's rough. Uh, those two teams again today. Frankie Montas will get the start for the Athletics looking for his 10th win of the season. He's got an ERA just north of four. Cal Quantrill, who's been very good, a guy who started the season in the bullpen for Cleveland, had to go into the rotation because of all the injuries. Three and two, three one four ERA. His last five starts, he's only allowed three earned runs and 19 hits in his last five starts. He's 2-0 with an 0.90 ERA in 30 innings in those last five starts. So uh, maybe advantage Cleveland. I mean, the game is in Cleveland, so maybe. Um, so that leaves things status quo in the American League West. Houston with a two-game lead over Oakland and an eight-and-a-half game lead over Seattle. And I mentioned Seattle as far as the wild card goes. And, and you know, the Red Sox still have some uh, breathing room over Seattle. They don't have to worry about Seattle too much. They have to worry about Tampa and the Yankees. But Seattle is five-and-a-half back of the of the wild card right now. They're five back of the Red Sox in the game in the loss column. That's how close the Red Sox are to not only being, you know, out of the division race, but being out of the playoff race completely. They may end up having to, you know, leapfrog three or four teams the way things are going. Uh, Seattle lost yesterday. Uh, so, uh, you know, but still, that's uh, it's going to be a tough road to climb for the Red Sox. No question. Uh, the White Sox lost yesterday. Stopped the presses. Uh, they had a chance to go uh, 23 games over 500 for the first time this season. Instead, they fall to the Minnesota Twins, 4-3. to three. Will and Zostadio, a, a go-ahead two-run homer in the sixth inning off of Dallas Keuchel, the difference in this one. The turtle, as they like to call Ostadio. I love to watch that guy. He's, he's, it's a guy, he's a guy that plays with uh, uh, so much joy. He's a guy that plays baseball because it's fun. You know, uh, and, and he's built, you know, he's kind of the, he reminds me of the uh, Bartolo Colon of position players, right? And, and, of course, he's pitched as well. But, you know, a guy that's uh, built like a fire plug, about as round as he is tall. But he just loves to play the game, always plays it with a smile on his face. Was playing third base last night, uh, filling in for uh, Josh Donaldson, uh, who is still dealing with some injury issues. But uh, the uh, Twins just Five and thirteen against AL Central Division leaders, and that means that that's either the uh, Cleveland Indians or the Chicago White Sox. They're five and thirteen, which tells you why they're sixteen games under five hundred and uh, long out of the race. Uh, Lance Lynn, the Major League's ERA leader, will take the mound for the White Sox uh, this afternoon. He is two and zero with a one five zero ERA against the Twins this season. Bailey Ober we'll get the start for the Twins in that one. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to take a look at the National League West. Will the San Francisco Giants come back down to earth? It sure as hell isn't looking like it. We'll talk about that when we come back. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 45 minutes past the hour. Welcome back 
to the wake up call. By the way, um, we're going to try to keep as regular a schedule as we can here going forward. But the next uh, month here uh, is going to be a little bit crazy. Uh, my wife is in the process of being transferred uh, from her job down to North Carolina. We are getting close to putting our house on the market here. And uh, uh, matter of fact, she's going to be going before I am. I'm going to be uh, uh, sitting back here by myself having to get a house ready to sell and pack and all that kind of stuff. So things are going to be a little bit nuts here for the next uh, uh, month, six weeks or so. But uh, we, as I said, we're going to try to keep as normal a schedule as we can while we uh, begin our transition to the warmer weather, I can't, I cannot wait. Uh, I, I got to tell you, um, you know, and uh, look, I was born and raised in Connecticut. I've uh, been in New England all my life, but I've, you know, I've lived in, I've lived overseas. I've lived in Europe. I've lived in the Middle East. Uh, I've lived in Alabama, uh, you know, but I've spent most of my life here in Connecticut. I can honestly tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I am not going to miss Connecticut at all. I will not miss the taxes I will not miss the snow, most of all. I will not miss the attitudes that we have up here. Um, you know, uh, the people uh, in the Northeast, a lot of people feel like they're entitled, and everybody's in a hurry. Uh, you can't go anywhere without being in a traffic jam. I'm just tired. I, I've had it. You know, I just I can't wait. So we're going to western North Carolina, out to the mountains. We're going to be quiet. Um, you know, so it, I'm, 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 uh, my only reservation and, uh, you know, forgive me, you know, I don't want to get political. You know, we do that when, when it's necessary. But uh, my only hesitation about moving to North Carolina, where we're moving, is it's Republican country. And it, not just Republican country, it's Trump country. And it's, uh, uh, it's uh, you know, don't wear a mask, don't get a vaccination country, you know, and it's... Uh, you know, that's the biggest challenge I think that I'm going to have when we make the move. But uh, anyway, so we are in the process of, of doing that. So we will try to keep our schedule uh, as much as we can. And I will keep you posted as to uh, uh, how that is going to go. Uh, if I've got to be off for a day or whatever, I'll just I'll try to keep you up to date as best I can. Uh, I appreciate those of you that watch or listen every day. Believe me. Uh, you know, and by the way, uh, if you if you can't listen one day and you you can find our podcast, we do a podcast of the show. It's available on Apple Podcasts. It's available on Spotify. It's available on Amazon Music. Uh, pretty much anywhere where you can get a podcast, you can find our podcast. And uh, we've gotten some great response from that. It's you know, it's funny. My listenership <laughs> has, has dropped a little bit, but the podcast has increased. So I think we're, you know what we're finding is that people are able to listen to it on their schedule, and uh, it makes it a little bit easier for them. So if you can't listen in the morning, you can find the podcast. You can listen to me rant and rave uh, pretty much any time you want to. All right, let's uh, get back to sports before we wrap things up here this morning. Uh, the San Francisco Giants, you know, and I don't know how many times I can say that this team just continues to amaze me, but they're thirty-one games over five hundred, ladies and gentlemen. They are seventy-two and forty-one with a pitching staff that nobody thought had a chance to do anything. You know, Kevin Gaussman has been a, a, a nice, you know, you knew he had potential, but, you know, they're getting good performances out of guys like Alex Wood. Johnny Cueto is doing things he hasn't done in years. It's just, you look at it and you go, how? And this bullpen has been phenomenal. Well, they win last night again, 8-7, 
They come up with a run in the bottom of the ninth inning. Uh, Lamont Wade scores the winning run from third with two outs in the ninth inning uh, after a uh, an error. Christian Walker makes an error at first base on a ball hit by Chris Bryant, and the Giants win again. Uh, it's unbelievable. Third straight win, fifth in the last six games for the Giants. Um, look, they were they were up five nothing in the fifth inning in this game, and let it get away, and had to come back and win it. Buster Posey with a home run last night for the Giants, his 14th of the season. Uh, just this team is just phenomenal. They're fun. I look, I. I have a hard time not rooting for them. Um, I mean, and you already can put uh, Gabe Kapler's name on the manager of the year trophy. I mean, it's just, uh, it's not even close. Not even close. I don't care. There's nobody doing anything in the National League where you're going to say, yeah, this guy's doing a great job. This San Francisco Giants team, again, much like the Red Sox, people were saying, well, you know what? If they have a nice year, they're going to be 500. But it was all going to be about the Dodgers and the Padres in that division. And San Francisco just continues uh, to amaze. Uh, So they will play the Diamondbacks again today. Merrill Kelly, who has been one of their best pitchers, uh, will throw for Arizona 7-8 with a 4-1-3 ERA. Kevin Gaussman, who I just mentioned, he's 10-5. ERA a 2.31. He's been away from the team uh, for a little while. Uh, he took some emergency leave. His, his wife had a, some pregnancy complications, but uh, eventually delivered a healthy baby girl. So he's, his mind has kind of been elsewhere, but uh, he will pitch for the Giants today. And uh, one other reason that I root for the Giants, Ron Wotus is their third base coach. Ron Wotus is, is from Connecticut. He's from Colchester, Connecticut, as a matter of fact. He went to uh, Ram High School. Was an unbelievable high school athlete. Um, played soccer, played basketball, played baseball, and was phenomenal in all of them. He might have been a better soccer player than he was a baseball player, yet he got drafted to play uh, in the majors. He never made it. I don't believe he ever made it to the major leagues. Uh, he kicked around in the minors for quite a while, but he has been the Giants uh, on the Giants coaching staff forever. Uh, but last night, he was part of the it was the two thousandth victory that he was at last night in the in his time with the franchise. That's unbelievable. Uh, but uh, Ron Wotus, a uh, good guy, great uh, great athlete here in the state of Connecticut. So that's another one of the reasons why I kind of root for him. Uh, the Dodgers last night with a victory, they snapped the Phillies. Winning streak. The Phillies had won eight in a row. Well, the Dodgers took care of that last night. They beat them uh, five nothing. Max Scherzer and Aaron Nola um, were the starting pitchers. Uh, unfortunately, and everybody was looking forward to that. Although I thought it was clearly adv- advantage Scherzer because Nola has been so up and down this year. Um, but uh, Rain screwed that up. Uh, they uh, they combined for 13 strikeouts over a combined four and a third innings. But then in the bottom of the fourth inning, rain came. And so the game was held up for almost two hours. So the two starters were long gone uh, by the time this game ended. Nola pitched four shutout innings. Uh, Scherzer got three and a third shutout innings. Nola had struck out seven. Scherzer had struck out six. I mean, it was fun. 
But then after that, it was uh, all hands on deck. The Dodgers used six pitchers to finish it up, uh, and uh, they did a good job. It allowed just three hits and uh, three walks over those six innings, uh, and they end up beating the Phillies by a final of five to nothing. Uh, the Padres keep pace. They beat the Marlins yesterday six to five. Um, Austin Nola, Aaron's brother, a, a go-ahead hit in the seventh inning. It was the fifth straight loss for the Miami Marlins. The Padres now, again, everybody holds serve last night. So the Giants four games up on the Dodgers, seven games up on the Padres. Right now the Dodgers would be the number one wild card. The Padres would be the number two wild card. Uh, everybody's waiting to see when Fernando Tatis is going to come back. He is was eligible to come off the injured list yesterday, but they're saying he is still a ways away from coming back with that partially separated left shoulder. The latest rumor, and this is interesting, there is talk that when the Padres bring him back, it will not be as a shortstop, that they will bring him back and throw him out in center field. Center field. Now, he's a great athlete. He'll probably do fine. I'm sure they're trying to protect his body a little bit, stop him from diving, separating that shoulder. Uh, you know, there's been histories of guys doing that before. Um, so Trey Turner, they did it with. Uh, you know, uh, Chris Owings has done it. Uh, I'm trying to remember the guy. that. Oh, yeah, Ian Desmond did it when he went uh, to uh, Colorado. So there's been histories of guys going from short to center field, but it doesn't happen that often. So we'll see. Uh, the problem is, is the way that Tatis plays, even if he's playing the outfield, he's probably going to be one of those outfielders who are just running the walls trying to catch balls. So, uh, you know, he just, he just plays the game with abandon. I'm not sure uh, that you're going to be able to protect him from himself, but we shall see. Uh, one other quick note, the Celtics made a signing last night. How about they got uh, Dennis Schroeder from the, uh, the uh, Lakers. He signed a one-year deal for $5.9 million. Point guard. Uh, look, had a decent season last year. It was kind of up and down for the Dodgers, or for the Dodgers, for the Lakers. Um, he averaged 15.4 points a game, averaged about five assists a game. Uh, and how about this? Talk about a bullet head. He turned down a four-year extension worth over $80 million a year during the season. Turned it down. He turned down $20 million bucks a year and has to settle for 5.9 on a one-year deal from the Celtics because he just uh, did not play very well in the postseason uh, and uh, uh, just just nobody else would bite. So he had to settle for a uh, poor guy, had to settle for $5.9 million, but you know he's got to be kicking himself. So uh, not an earth-shattering move, but they needed somebody at the point, and uh, you know if uh, those are pretty good numbers. So we shall see. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of The Wake Up Call. Delbert McClinton will take us out today. Giving it up for your love. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.